Welcome to the Spiritual Teamwork Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Crenshaw. Welcome back. This week is the second part of the Law of Love, and we're going to be talking about loving others. And with what's going on around the country and the emotions we're dealing with, loving others is the farthest thing from some people's minds. So let's see how we as Christians are supposed to respond to those around us. We're still using the Great Commandment. It's found in Matthew 22, but it's also found in Mark 12, Luke 10, and originally in the book of Deuteronomy. Some Pharisees were talking to Jesus, and he answered them saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second commandment is the most important, and is like this one. Love others as much as you love yourself. All the law of Moses and the book of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Here's the deal. The world wants us separated. And when I say the world, what I mean is Satan, the enemy, the deceiver, whoever you want to call him. I use the term the world because the world is what Jesus says we don't belong to. That's in John 15, 19. And if we focus on it, we lose sight of him. That's in Matthew 13, 22. The world, through the media, politicians, and other leaders, separates us. First by race, it chops us up into little pieces. Black, white, Asian, Latino, European American, African American. Then it separates us by income, high, middle, and low. Next comes the region you live in. North, south, northeast, midwest, California, Texas, Florida, Ohio. Then we're separated by sexual orientation. Gay or straight, lesbian, LGBTQ, and even asexual. Then by religion, Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, Eastern Orthodox, Baptist, Sikh, Buddhist, Baha'i, fundamentalist or social gospel. And then finally by political party, Republican or Democrat, but mainly conservative or liberal, because everyone has to be one or the other in order to separate us. There is no gray area. Every time we're separated from the people around us, we lose a little bit of ourselves. Because of the walls we put up between us and the people we live near, most Christians are more willing to go serve in another country than they are to serve the people in their neighborhood. Separation creates fear, and where there's fear, there's no love. Paul says in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. How are we doing with that peace that passes all understanding? If we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, we can't live in fear. One of the old cliches is that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. We fear what we don't know or what we don't understand. The only way to get over our fear is to let God in to change us and for us to move out into the world around us to get to know our neighbors. So where do we start? The first place is to start by letting God love us so we can love ourselves and then love others. I talked about this last week, so if you haven't heard that episode, you may want to listen to it. Anything that doesn't start with prayer is probably not going to bear much fruit. We have to be willing to let God lead us and change us in order to get an attitude of love. Each of the four groups I give should be prayed over regularly in order to let God work. We can't make ourselves do anything. The harder we try to be something, the farther away from it we get. 
We can't just will ourselves into love. We have to let God love through us. So the first group is to love other Christians. 1 John 4 directly addresses this, and he says, Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. As Christians, we are supposed to love other Christians. By doing this, it shows God's love and helps his love to be perfected in us. This isn't talking about anyone outside the church. This is talking only about Christians. In the Gospel of John chapter 15, Jesus says this is how the world will know us. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John writes about Jesus saying this in his gospel. Then, in one of the letters attributed to John, he says the same thing. I think loving other Christians is pretty important to the Apostle John. This is our training ground for the world. Pray for each other, lifting everyone up in love. The church should be a place we go to and find peace and offer peace to those around us. We can pray as we stand in church for people we see or people we know that aren't there. We should pray especially for our priests and pastors and for our church leadership. Let God remind us of his love and ask him to open our eyes to see our Christian family and who needs prayer. Next is love your family. Okay, I admit loving your family and loving your enemies may be the same thing for some people. This will be harder for some people than loving their enemies because enemies aren't always in your head. In the daily devotional book, Bread for the Journey, Henry Nouwen puts it this way, How can someone ever trust in the existence of an unconditional divine love when most, if not all of what he or she has experienced, is the opposite of love, fear, hatred, violence, and abuse? They are not condemned to be victims. There remains within them, hidden as it may seem, the possibility to choose love. Many people who have suffered the most horrendous rejections and been subject to the most cruel torture have been able to choose love. By choosing love, they became witnesses not only to human resiliency, but also to the divine love that transcends all human loves. Those who choose, even on a small scale, to love in the midst of hatred and fear are the people who offer true hope to our world. If we begin to let God change our view, we can begin to choose to love those who have hurt us. What I'm not saying is you need to rush back in and embrace your abusive father or mother. I'm saying to start to let God change your view about the person who hurt you the most. Sometimes all you can do is love from a distance. Praying for them changes the way you see them. It may not change them, but it changes your view of them. And again, like I did in the last episode, I recommend the book Healing for Damaged Emotions. It helped me tremendously in dealing with past family issues. But for those of us without family problems, this is a great training ground as well. Loving your parents and siblings, your spouse and children, and your in-laws and extended family. That's all written about in Colossians 3, Ephesians 5 and 6, 1 Timothy 5, and dozens of other places, plus the Proverbs and Psalms. You know, if you can, start with honoring your father and mother, and let's see how it goes from there. Next, love your neighbor. But Steve, you ask, who is my neighbor? I'm glad you asked that question, valued listener. I'm going to say the people next door to start with. If you're like me, you may not even know your neighbor very well. I know their names, but not much else. This goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning. Many of us would rather go to another country than talk to our actual neighbors. You know, start with prayer. You don't have to be friends with people to love them. 
If the guy next door moves in and puts up an eight-foot privacy fence, don't complain. Just pray. If you get a chance, say hello and wave, but don't mumble under your breath that he's a jerk. Other neighbors are people we see in need. That was the premise of the Good Samaritan story. The person who showed mercy was the neighbor. We get very uncomfortable when we see homeless people or people in need. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't help them. And if you're like me and a lot of other people, you don't like to give money to panhandlers because, and I quote, they'll just use it to buy drugs and alcohol. They may do just that, but that's not your business. Give the guy a buck and don't wish he'd just go away. If you don't want to give money, make up a gallon freezer bag of ready-to-eat food and give that to them. Either way, don't act like they don't exist. And don't put gospel tracts in the bag. In fact, don't put gospel tracts anywhere, but that's another subject, so I'm going to let it alone. Finally, we're going to love our enemies. Every person I mentioned above, by today's definition, may be considered our enemy. But that's taking the word out of context. If we really don't like someone today, we label them our enemies. An enemy is supposed to be someone who attacks you. But today they can be people we disagree with. I've said it, and I've heard other Christians say it, that they hate people with different political views than they have. Everything goes back to the beginning. We fear what we don't know or don't understand. We can't understand people we refuse to listen to. We can argue and say things today and remain anonymous in ways we couldn't think of 10 years ago. Anytime we label or place another person into a separate group, we're defaming God because God created them. He told Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. And Paul says in Titus 3, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable hating one another. As Christians, we're supposed to show courtesy to everyone. How can I show courtesy to someone if I think they're stupid for the way they vote? If you need more examples on how we're supposed to act as Christians, you can see Ephesians 4, 29 and 31, Colossians 3, 8, 1 Peter 2, and 1 Timothy 2. You know, we're not supposed to be people who live in fear and hate. We're to be people of prayer and trust. But I know we can't love everybody. I get that. Only God has the ability to love everyone. We're not omnipotent and we're not omnipresent. But if we start to pray more for people we disagree with, we stop speaking evil of people we know or don't know, don't quarrel with people online or in the office, and be a little more gentle on ourselves and others, I think we will have made a good start. We can't change the world. I understand that. But we can change ourselves. You know, I want to say this. If you made it this far, then I assume you agree a little with what I've said. And I would appreciate it if you shared this message to help get the word out. But more importantly, pray for someone you disagree with this week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.